Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest is Chris Lalonia, founder of the Trusted Toolbox Home Repair and Projects. He's also an author from The Zoo to the Wild, your guide to entrepreneurial freedom and wealth. The customer is not always right, Chris says, but you always need to do what is right for the customer. Chris is a successful entrepreneur and change leader that has built on his experience working with the largest companies in America to start his own business from scratch. He brings his unique style to leadership to build a culture of professionalism to the blue-collar world of home renovations. He left the corporate zoo and ventured into the entrepreneurial wild and started the Trusted Toolbox, believe it or not, in 2008. He even says this. Yes, he started the business right before the Great Recession, so timing the market was not necessarily his strength. However, he survived through that time and has since grown his business into a multi-million dollar handyman and remodeling company, which has won numerous awards in Atlanta, Georgia. He went to college and earned his bachelor's and master's degree in mechanical engineering. His company is focused on process and training to deliver home renovations and earning customers' trust each day. The culture in the company is on continuous improvement, he says, and allowing the artists in the company to show off their talents as they are set up for success. Chris appears regularly on as a guest on WSB 95.9 Home Fix-It Show with Dave Baker. He's also on the All Four, All Four Seasons Home Show and Trustdale TV, where he provides advice on home projects for consumers and answering their questions. Chris resides in Johns Creek, Georgia. When he's not working on his business, he enjoys cooking, good wine, and escaping with his wife, son, and daughter to her Mountain View getaway. With that said, Chris, welcome to the program. All right. Thanks for having me. It was uh, kind of fun to listen to my listen to you tell my story. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's right. I didn't do that. Yeah, I guess I am that impressive, aren't I? <laughs> no, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's great. I always love doing the bios. People always have some type of surprise reaction, how good they sound. But anyhow, Chris, we got a chance to talk a little bit, but uh, most importantly for our listeners, uh, let's start out. Everybody likes to hear the story behind a founder, who somebody who founded their own company. And so you're no different. People want to know what was the, what was the motivation behind it? Uh, was it hard? Was it easy? Did you have naysayers? Did you have some fears? Or was it just clear sailing from the beginning? Go ahead and tell us your story. Yeah, 100% not clear sailing. So I'm going to start from uh, the time I was 17 years old growing up in Michigan. Um, I said I wanted to be my own business owner, and I was challenged to put it down on a piece of paper, and I did. And at 17 years old, I wrote down that I was going to have a manufacturing company with 50 employees providing parts to the automotive industry by the time I was 35. So very specific. Uh, now, as we go through the career of how we got there, I didn't do any of that. So I went off and got my bachelor's and master's degree in engineering, but quickly learned that I didn't have any business experience. All the people who were my bosses were business people. So I could either go back to school or at the time I chose to go work for a company called Accenture or Anderson Consulting at the time. And mm -hmm. it was in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
And they said, I, I appreciate that you love manufacturing, but we're a banking center here. We think you'd be a good fit here. And you won't be on the road near as much. As it turned out, I was only on the road 40 after 52 weeks as opposed to 52. <laughs> so I went to work for them and it was a great training ground and I got involved in banking. And then I involved, uh, got hired on by SunTrust Banks in Atlanta to fix their commercial loan operations. At that time, I was 33 years old. I had 400 people working for me. I was in a corner office. I had a Mercedes parking spot. I had that job that outwardly everybody would say, wow, Chris, you are successful. Well done. And I was, I had fun with my job for about four years. And then I got the boss hole. And he convinced me that I just was not in the right spot because here I was 35, now turning 36 and hadn't started my own business. I had been intoxicated by being in that corporate world. And he came in and basically let me know that I just didn't like what I was doing. And that was pretty, pretty evident. Um, so they talk about what, what motivates people to leave. I was more afraid of being 60 years old, looking back on my life, saying I never took a shot. But this was really the, the push off the ledge, if you will, is that I just wasn't having fun at work anymore. So I came home in a fit of rage, told my wife, I said, that's it. I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm done. Threw my, my coat down. And she went, whoa, 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 Sparky. If you're going to do something, we have a lifestyle. You better have a plan. So I developed my plan starting in November of 2006 with the idea that I would leave in November of, or in April of 2008. Uh, this was not my first idea, but this is the plan that I got uh, eventually that I felt like made the most sense with the business planning process I went through. And I started the Trusted Toolbox Home Repair and Projects. I sold my Mercedes, bought two vans, wrapped them, and actually was out there doing the work the very first month uh, in the business. And I worked, basically, I did, I did the handyman work for about three months while I was building the business uh, and everything I had. Well, that's interesting. So you go from Accenture, okay, uh, you know, top firm and consulting firm in, in the world, actually, uh, you know, white collar, true and blue, okay? Yep. So, and you jump over to the, you know, the, the handyman side of business. So uh, that's, that's kind of like a 180, you know, you, you know, a lot of business choices out of there. Why, how'd you pick that? So what I did was... Uh, I looked at a number of things. I was going to start a community bank, realized I didn't have any information on that. Was going to go back into manufacturing, found out there were a single source supplier to a GM plant that I had some inside knowledge on, knowing that it was going to close. So everything I was doing uh, was running up against. I was going to go buy a business, figured that would be an easier way because I'm a good fix-it guy, not necessarily a creator. Uh, but the valuations in 2006 going in seven um, were very crazy. People were getting incredible multiples on businesses that just didn't seem to have the value that I thought. So I felt with my background uh, and my business plan that I could go ahead and start it and I could do it and I could do it on my own. I actually even investigated franchise opportunities and decided I still could do this on my own. And I did. And of course, I made lots of mistakes along the way. <laughs> well, I want, to, I want to talk about that in a different context, though. So you look back now, 2008, so what are we, 14 years, right? And um, looking back, is there some decisions that you think you would do differently, knowing what you know today? So many, I can't even count them here, but I would tell you some of the things was, um, the reason I wrote my book was because I said, I'm going to write my book because I'm going to tell everybody they should have started their business when the recession starts. What's been interesting is I've been out in the world and doing these podcasts and, and also have my own is that a lot of people started around that time. And it was a good time to start if you think about it, uh, because you had to get lean, you had to get mean, and you had to really dial in and get your stuff down. 
And that's what it helped me do. Decisions I made along the way that I, I, I kind of wished I hadn't. Um, probably, you know, I, I, I opened up a Peachtree Corners office, would have been a multiple unit. I picked the wrong guy and I gave up on it too quick when the wrong guy uh, turned on me and went, it just went the wrong way. Would have stuck with that one. Um, but yeah, there's just so many I could keep going through and it's all people and numbers related. <laughs> okay, but you are successful today. So let's give you a little chance to get some affirmation here. So yeah. you, you turn it around, you made, everybody makes mistakes and, and we uh, and that's what we learn our best lessons from, but you also did some things right. Can you think of a couple of key decisions that helped you catapult you to your success today? Absolutely. I'd say that uh, beginning is I did have a plan in the beginning. Uh, I felt like I was well capitalized. Number one, I had the capital resources. Uh, I was able to go for a little while without making any money or else I would have had to close down. The other thing I thought uh, that I feel very proud of is that I did a very good job laying out my functional org chart. And while I fit and used every hat and every box that was there today, those that org chart is filled up with other people. Uh, today, I've got 42 employees. Uh, I'm not involved in the day-to-day -day as much, which is allowing me to do this podcast right now. Uh, I'm still there, and, and we built a business now that will just be over $5 million in revenue this year, uh, and we're pretty proud of that. So a lot of those decisions, it, was, it's, it really is consistency, not looking for the quick buck, uh, being uh, able to stay in my lane as a handyman and remodeler, and not try to go off and chase the shiny objects, which I'm pretty good at, by the way, like a lot of entrepreneurs. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think staying with it and, and, and uh, you know, it take me 14 years to get to this. I, you know, I know that another company is getting of similar size. They did a lot quicker, um, but they had a little bit different mentality and model. And I think I liked the way I did it. And I, I would probably um, would have liked to have gone faster. But we also had that recession I was dealing with. And this other little thing we're going to talk about probably called COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're going to do that right after our little commercial break here. OK, so let's take that break. Uh, you did write a book, so maybe you'd like to talk about that, From the Zoo to the Wild, Your Guide to Entrepreneurial Freedom and Wealth. Feel free to talk about that. But talk more about who your customer is and uh, exactly more about your, your company. And this is your chance to uh, tell our listeners all about what you do. Yeah, so the Trusted Toolbox is my first company. It's the one we started here. Uh, we service people in the metro Atlanta area, uh, single families, uh, single family dwellings, busy families of four love working with us because of our professionalism, our on-time arrival, our commitment to make their house better than when we are in better shape than when we arrived. So thetrustedtoolbox.com. We actually just opened a new branch in Athens, Georgia. Uh, so we're starting to do that. I've got my book called From the Zoo to the Wild. You can always find that on Amazon. It's a, a pretty easy read for a lot of people. Uh, and then also I have my podcast called The Small Business Safari, where we talk about how to scale a small business and what it's like to start a business and have a number of guests on to talk about those as well. Let's go back to your book for a second. Uh, so if I read your book, what would you be what would you hope that I would get out of your book? Yeah, I think two things. Uh, so I don't know if you'll be starting a business. What I would hope that you would take out of this is how I was able to scale my business and not only get bigger, but get better by developing what I call my wolf pack with my technicians. Um, if you were looking to start a business and you're in the beginning, I would hope that you would take away that the business planning process is important and I think a key and vital step for your ultimate success. I got a great stat, 11,000 companies, companies are started every hour in the U.S., so it's easy to start a company. It's hard to run a company and scale it. So that's what I want you to take away from that. 11,000 companies every hour. That's amazing. 
And I was given that stat, uh, so I didn't come up with it. Uh, I was told it, and it was staggering. But and they followed up with, "See, it's it's easy to have a kid. It's hard to raise a kid." <laughs> and I was like, "It's a good one." Yes, that's a good one. That's a good uh, good, uh, good analogy. Okay, now 2008. I've been there, lived that, done that. You know, and, we, and we're all that vintage that we could talk about that and other recessions and uh, and downturns. But I've never seen anything like 2022 where we have so many uh, uh, headwinds at one time. You know, labor, I mean, you're in a labor business, so labor, interest rates, the price of materials going up and down, you get to cost things up, uh, recession, uh, you know, uh, political unrest, wars, you know, we got it all happening, you know. I, I can't think of anything else. We've had national nat uh, natural disasters as well. So, here you are. You're running a company, 40, 42 employees. You know, you're responsible for some of their livelihoods. Obviously, these are people who have families and you are facing the headwinds of today. OK, and we think there's going to be some carryover into 2023. So tell us, you know, what you learned from 2008. Maybe did it carry over into helping you today? How are you navigating the headwinds? Uh, I think the um, the the ability for me to navigate the headwinds that we're going through right now all comes back to the COVID experience. Um, and I would tell you that in March 9th of 2020, I had a meeting set up at my office and the consultant called and said, hey, I can't come. I don't want to meet in person. Um, can we talk on the phone? And he said, I, I, you know, I'm worried that my business is going to shut down. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. What, what can I do to help? He said, you can't help me. We're all going down. I'm like, oh, come on, chicken little man. This guy's not falling on March 16th. I cut my sales manager, two of my project managers, asked my office staff to take a 25% pay cut. And uh, then we went to business. And in Atlanta, we were shut down for about two months, but we were deemed an essential business. So we were working around people's houses. Mm. So I was able to scale it back and get involved in the business. So just like I was scaling up, I was able to scale it back. And trust me, guys, it's not fun. Nobody wants to scale down their company. Nobody wants to go down. Everyone's always talking about growth. But by me going down, I honestly had one of my most, my best profitable time was when I did that. Um, now I got the PPP money. Who knew that the government was actually going to help you? Because the last time I had the government knock on my door and say, we're here to help, it was for an audit. So I, I didn't want to see these guys, right? But we got the money. I was able to bring people back and we were being able to thrive. I said, oh my gosh, here we go. I'm finally in the best business ever. And then what happens? I can't find people. The material prices you just mentioned are going all over the place. And now, fast forward here, we've been able to navigate that. I'm up to a full complement of people, but I'm still now looking at people starting to slow down again and working on their homes. And it's that natural cycle that happens. Well, we're, we're talking to put this in context in December going into January. I don't care if it's warm or cold, wherever you're at, people just slow down in January. You just don't go that many places. So we're historically been slower then. But we still expect... With Atlanta being the market it is, I still expect people moving here uh, are going to help keep us up and keep us going. And I'll actually welcome a little bit of a recession or pullback. These interest rates are definitely uh, scaring a lot of people. But you and I have both been through some of these interest rates before. And you know, this isn't really abnormal. We just aren't used to it. And so we're getting used to it again. But guys, we've been there before. So I think overall, I think the customer mindset will change. and We'll be able to keep growing. Yeah, you, you know. You use the word, uh, I'm going to use the word to summarize, you adapted, right? You scaled, you scale up, you scale down, you adjust, you put the tools back on is, is an analogy. 
as the owner of a company, you went out there and made it happen. You saved some jobs. Unfortunately, you couldn't save them all, but you saved some. And uh, and then you were in a position to uh, get the PPP programming, bring employees back. That's a good uh, flexibility of an owner, okay, to be able to do that and to adjust. Now, interesting, I, I'm, in, I'm in the franchise industry. That's what I do for a living. But uh, um, the home, ser- home service sector exploded in 2020. Uh, and, and they haven't looked back. Of all the sectors that we deal with, and we deal with 40 different industries, home service has just thrived and it went well. I think your biggest challenge is finding labor. So with that said, how are you finding labor? Finding labor, you don't have to give your secret sauce away necessarily, but how are you keeping labor? So finding labor, number one, I'm spending a lot of money. I actually have a recruiter helping me. Um, I've used Indeed and ZipRecruiter. These guys that I'm looking for, these handymen, are gig economy workers who probably don't even have a resume. And they're probably not even the ones looking for the job. It's probably their wives. Uh, So uh, that's been hard to find these guys. And if they're good at what they do, and we're really busy, of course, the whole world was working on their homes because we were stuck at home. They didn't need me to help them. So that was the whole thing. So what I do is I invite my guys in. My guys are lone wolves and I invite them into our wolf pack and let them know that if they come into this wolf pack, you'll not only be able to forage for yourself, but the team is going to help you provide for your families and make it an easier day and transaction for you so that you can continue to do what you do best. And so we do as an onboarding process where we talk a lot about our culture. We do call them our wolves, but we also challenge them to be artists. St. Francis of Assisi said in the 1500s, if you work with your hands, you're a laborer. If you work with your head and your hands, you're a carpenter. But if you work with your heart, your head and your hands, you're an artist. And that's my challenge to these guys. And that has resonated with these guys because they feel like they're a part of this. Uh, But they also are allowed to go out there and be that artist in the field and take care of customers. So that's how we've been able to keep people. It's still a high turnover business. Again, these guys are a gig economy worker. So if I'm playing one bar and I got a guitar and the next bar says, hey, Chris, for five bucks more, you can go play here tomorrow night. Yeah, they're going to go. But we keep them here because we say, look, long term, staying consistent. Been at this for 14 years. I've never missed payroll, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's important, especially in your industry. Okay, um, very good. Okay, so now, so you're also uh, an individual, a human being. You have to get up every Monday morning. You got to lead the charge. You have to get yourself motivated. Put your game face on. Um, what are you doing for yourself? Do you have certain disciplines in life? Uh, do you have certain you have mentors? You start reading? Maybe you do all those things. What kind of things do you do to keep yourself on target? Yeah. So one thing I've been very consistent with is that I do feel like my mentor group is strong uh, and I reach out to them um, often. I've actually joined a monthly accountability group. Uh, it's called the CEO group here in Atlanta. Uh, frankly, I had that all day today and then got out of there and came in here to talk to you. So uh, it's a great accountability group. It's a great way to help me stay grounded, stay focused, and stay disciplined. Because if I didn't do all the things I said I was going to do in that month, I feel guilty. I feel bad. I feel like I let people down. Uh, for myself, uh, personally, um, I've actually gotten back in the gym. Uh, I, just, I just was showing one of the guys today on my app. I'm averaging four and a half times a week in the gym. So nice. uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but I also like to have a lot of fun and get out. I do some vacations. And so for that, that always helps get me back and get me motivated. You know, if I want to dive in a little bit on this mentoring thing, because a lot of everybody says mentoring, but I don't really take time to ask this big question for our listeners to learn from. So you use the CEO group as a mentoring group. 
Can you just give us a day in the life of what that will look like if you went to a meeting and what's the expected outcome or participation to be a part of a group like that? Yeah, I think uh, going to look for there, and there's numerous uh, groups you can join out there. Vistage is probably the biggest brand name uh, out there. Um, yeah, they can be kind of pricey. So you got to make sure you're putting your investment in. Here's what the day looks like. We'll go and we do a check-in. Did you get everything done you say you were going to get done in the month? And here are the three, the three things you said you were going to do personally. Here's the three things you said you were going to do professionally. We actually have increased it with us. We actually have now another one in areas. What have we done to improve our legacy? Um, so that's a really deep one. Then uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll talk and then we'll talk about issues. If we want to do some issue processing, what's fun there is that if somebody throws out an issue, you get to work on it as a group. You ask the questions, get more clarification, get the right question, and then the answer. You know what's a lot more fun? Solving everybody else's problems. <laughs> Love it. But you learn a lot. By your... We're good at that, aren't we? We are. Right. You know, hey, my business is running great. But man, your business. Let me help you with that, brother. But when you're solving other people's problems, you're sitting there going, huh. If that's his problem, boy, mine's like twice as bad. Yeah. Uh, so that's been great for me. Uh, then we also go over articles and talk about leadership and development. Uh, and it's a great way for me to recharge. Um, when I talk about this, this group as a mentor group, um, I really look at them as really my accountability group and helping me navigate the waters that is small business ownership, which can be pretty lonely. I have other mentors I've had in the past, but this group has really become one of the ones that has really helped propel me to this spot today. You know, there, it's a saying, it's lonely at the top. And if you get enough of you executives around there, it's a good accountability uh, group to get encouragement from, get resources, you know, guidance. Um, so I, I get it. I get it. And, uh, yeah. and even, even this podcast, I only deal with founders. And I love hearing your stories. I love hearing how people are doing business. And I'm always grateful that you know, people like yourself are willing to share your best practices. Okay, let's wrap this up here. I do have two listeners. Uh, one is an entrepreneur like yourself who's sitting there contemplating, gosh, you know, it's 2023 coming. 22 wasn't all that fun. I keep hearing about opportunities out there to invest in the midst of chaos. Uh, should I? Uh, and if, if so, how should I go about that? And the other group of listeners are people who were like you were when you were at Accenture, working for corporate America, had that itch, had it for a while. Um Maybe this is the time because, hey, it's recession. You started in 2008. Should I start in 2023? Speak to them. And uh, what, what would you tell about those groups? All right. Your first group, if you're sitting in corporate America, nobody is going to say, man, I want to stay here and collect 401k and my paycheck and have my health care paid for. But you got to ask yourself if that's really why you're there. If you're going to get ready to do this, build your business plan. Get your mentors to look at it. I don't need an A paper. I need you to look at it. I want you to put your revenue projections out there and I want you to put revenue and expenses and be realistic. Get to somebody who's been in this business. There are a lot of us entrepreneurs. We'd be happy to talk to you because you're not competing with me. I mean, I'm competing against myself and the, and the customer. But then ask yourself this, with your revenue and your expenses, if you were to have your revenues and double your expenses, would you still do this business? Go for it. But if I didn't have that question answered uh, and if I would have done that, I would have said, oh, hell no. <laughs> then you wouldn't be where you are today and i wouldn't be where i was today you know out there so for those of us that are out there and you're in the small business world and you're out there rumbling bumbling stumbling in this wild world we call entrepreneurs congratulations you're one of the eleven thousand in that one hour that are still going and so as you keep going you got to remember every day you wake up 
you're solving problems. If you're not ready to wake up in the morning and start solving problems today, get back to bed, get yourself reset and get back up because you're solving problems each and every day. Yeah. Now talk to about the guy who has, who has a business and he's thinking maybe I need to create another revenue stream. Maybe so wanna... I tried to create that as well. I have a, a company I've started called the Home Service Institute, which will help train other home service providers and their, their, their wolves on how to have better customer service. Trying to get that off the ground has been really hard. Uh, good news is I did it pretty much on a shoestring. So I'm doing it within the four walls that we've got today. I do like the rev, the multiple revenue opportunity. So that's why I've opened up Athens as another revenue opportunity for the handyman. Not exactly franchising, just keeping it with company stores and keeping it relatively local and see where it goes from there. But I, I would say uh, the other piece that, you know, I'm still thinking of too, is I'd like to get out there and start doing some, some speaking engagements later on, kind of my next act after the trusted toolbox. Um, but you got to ask yourself if you're ready. They say a lot of people don't leave their business or start something else because they don't know what's next, what they want to do next. Yeah, and it's not always a clear pathway. Sometimes you just you fall into it, or or you built a company now, giving you some free time to explore other options. Uh, I think it's stay close to your core competency. You don't want to chase the shiny object syndrome, right? Right. So you got to be careful there, but. Uh, uh, but there's time. I mean, there's opportunities out there if you're focused. Uh, I think you you talked about having you're well capitalized. I always tell my clients that the two reasons people fail in business or definitely in the franchise world is that they're undercapitalized, they overextend themselves, and they can't follow the system. You know, they bought a McDonald's and want to sell hot dogs and can't figure out why it didn't work. You know? Exactly right. Yeah. So uh, there is certain disciplines and basic principles to follow. Well, Chris, uh, one more time. How can people get a hold of you? Hold of you, should they would like should they would like to do business with you or learn more about your business? You can always find me on LinkedIn. That's Chris Lalamia on LinkedIn. It's uh, very few of us out there with that last name, so you find me there. You can always uh, hit me up on uh, Instagram. I'm customerservice.freak uh, because I love customer service and I love doing that. You can DM me there, and of course, my email is Chris at the Trusted Toolbox. If you Google my name, it'll come up number one, Trusted Toolbox. That's what I'm most known for. Very nice. Well, Chris, on behalf of our listeners, uh, thanks. I'm always grateful for uh, founders of companies who are willing to take time out of their busy day to share their wisdom and expertise with uh, our listeners. So thank you on behalf of everybody here on that show. Uh, this information that you've given us will be uh, put into podcast notes, uh, which will be put on all podcast platforms in about two, three weeks. So uh, you'll get a chance to listen to this again and share it with uh, your fellow uh, colleagues out there. But Chris, I hope you have a wonderful holiday and thank you again for your time. All right. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Rich LeBrun here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. 
Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.